take two. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. What up, everybody? Uh, a bit more of an abrupt ending to that because I don't know how to do it where the music continues to play with the stream yard right now. So I made the video clip. Anyway, it kind of drops instead of that whole like funky kind of in and out waste of time. Um, check out our new backdrop, bud. What do you think? I was just going to say, yeah, thank you. Heinz Field, that's a beautiful God. That's God's country. Look at it. It is. I'm more of a left guy, I guess, if you look at the picture this way. That's uh, Ben Hill Stadium. That's Ben Hill? Like Benny Hill? Yeah. Ben Hill. Is it Ben Hill Griffin Stadium? Ben Hill. Yeah. The Sea of Orange. Beautiful. I love the I love the Gators color scheme. It's beautiful. That blue and orange is just a beautiful. You can't go wrong. Yeah, I'm a big fan, obviously. Um, okay. So we are uh, – well, hey, we're getting close to doing this for real. And when we talk about for real is that we're going to be doing live shows streaming on Cap City Beats. And, uh, yeah, iOS, Android is going to be Tuesdays, 7 o'clock, starting November 17th. Um, we're lining up our guests now. So uh, we're going to start booking these people in a little bit earlier. And uh, we'll start pumping up the promotions for that, too. So if uh, audience members have questions, uh, things they want to bring up, or I want us to ask the, sp the specific guests, then we can kind of vet those uh, in an amount of time to, uh, to allow us to, to get those, those questions in and some more audience interaction. There's going to be live comments as we start going. It's, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a little nervous to, from a, I guess, more from a tech standpoint, sort of make sure that everything goes smoothly. But uh, overall, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited to get going. Yeah, me too. You know, it's going to be like, it's uh, reaching different audience. I think it's going to be neat. And, uh, I, I like the whole premise of, um, sort of an internet radio, uh, platform and all the downloads and it's going to be great. And I, you know, for me, I, I enjoy talking to anybody at any time, much like you. So I'm nervous, but I'm not, it's like still going to talk sports, still going to talk about what we know and love. And, uh, and yeah, so it's going to be great. It should I, be fun. As a side note, I'm completely branded from head to toe with stuff that you're involved with. I got, <laughs> uh, I got my hat. Uh, thanks to that. courtesy, courtesy of you, which I still owe you money. Don't, don't, for, don't think I haven't forgotten. I still owe you for this. This okay, shirt. This is my list of your, your IOUs there. Perfect. It's not very long. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I got the football forward shirt, which just ended last week. Well, the first round anyways. So I got that. I like it. I like it a lot. We got our new mason jar. Uh, well, basically just stickers from uh, your buddy Emad over at Sign It Signs. Um, yeah, the mason jars are simple. You just stick it, stick it on. It's actually held up pretty well through a couple of washes. I was concerned that the sticker might peel off, but no, it's held up well. Good quality sticker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we got that. I got my... Uh, my coaster from Mike Herzog. Oh, you um, I have mine too, but it's like a, I don't know, what would you call it? Like, it's like a type of rock that, uh, it, oh, that's a rock one. Oh, yeah. The the wood one. Oh, the way I got the wood one upstairs. I've got that one up in my room. And I've got this block of wood that I think you have too. Let's see behind me here. Do you have this block of wood? 
I do. I'm not getting up to get it though. Yeah, you got it. I think I gave your dad the biggest one that was that was made, and he uh, he screwed it to the little uh, patio thing that he has out by the barbecue. Anyway, we're super branded um, in the short amount of time that we've existed. It's pretty cool. We've got more branding than we have actual content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, oh, that's not to say we have shirts too. <laughs> oh yeah, shirts, hats. I'm looking at the shirts and hats and stuff like that. Uh, actually, uh, shout out to uh, Mega Sports. Uh, promotions. They're a company in Barhaven that did all of our football forward stuff. So the um, the shirt that you're wearing, and uh, they actually going to start doing our hats and stuff. So the uh, the other orange flex fit hat that I wear, uh, trucker style, uh, yeah, was done through him, and uh, he's actually put a page together. So we'll be having that link on through the Cap City Beats website, through our podcast, in our description there too, where you can actually go. And you can pick whatever color hat you want, or shirt size, all that kind of stuff, and uh, they'll do that in house. So you don't even have to go through us to buy bulk anymore, or for us to buy bulk and try and sell it. Uh, you can just get whatever you want. Hoodies. The guy does everything. So that's awesome. We'll be uh, working on some hoodies because it's going to get uh, chillier the next little while. Um, also, uh, this episode is brought to you by PK Fitness. For all your fitness needs, if you need a home workout, whether it's for weight loss or whether it's for making those gains, those muscle gains, uh, reach out to uh, PK Fitness. That would be Pierre Cariotti Fitness at uh, pepsplace at hotmail.com. Yes, he still uses a Hotmail account, but that just goes <laughs> to show that he's a veteran and uh, he's been around the, the block a few times. But PK Fitness, so if you need that kind of stuff. I know, I know a lot of listeners are like, hey, Brock, why don't you reach out to PK Fitness? <laughs> There's not a lot you're going to tell me that I don't already know or that you haven't given me already. It's just a matter of, unless you're going to come to my house, which we can discuss, um, coming to my house and actually getting me out of the house to do a workout or do it at my house. Um, that's where I'm lacking a little bit of motivation. But we have house guests coming. Uh, the Shavers are coming to live with us for the next little while. Mike Shaver is a guy that, uh, you know, I play with him a lot of you. He played for the Bombers for a while, too. Uh, Big bruising fullback. Now he's a firefighter. It was a firefighter, and they're moving down here, living with us. And um, we used to train together, and he used to uh, push me pretty good. So I'm hoping that that's a bit of motivation for me to kind of get back at it. Um, I still remember I play. We'd play uh, squash all the time uh, after work, after lifting or whatever. And he's this guy's pretty strong. But we'd play racquetball, and uh, <clears throat> uh, we'd be going for hours, squash, racquetball, whatever. And I'm trying to I'm trying to lose weight. I'm constantly my whole life is trying to lose weight, and uh, we'll take breaks. And this guy, he I remember he opens his gym bag, and uh, it's just it's like a vending machine. It's like candy <laughs> bars and Pepsi's and like all the stuff. And I'm just like my eyes just probably went the size of a toonie. And uh, <laughs> he he reminded me that he's diabetic, so he needs to keep his insulin levels at a certain uh, rate and whatever. And I was just like I remember the time this. Um, whatever i was naive at the time i'm just like man that seems pretty cool to be diabetic and be able to eat whatever you want in that kind of sense but anyway he had to make sure that i wasn't near his gym bag and <laughs> but uh anyway so they're they're coming in they should be here tomorrow and then uh things will uh hopefully change for the better yeah well thanks for the plug i appreciate it and fitness is uh not as not as complex as uh people might think and there's certain there are five basic components to fitness, and uh, you know if you if you do well in three of the five components, you're 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 doing better than like eighty percent of the the population. So um, those components we can discuss at any time with anybody. So 
uh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And I do have a Gmail and I do have Facebook and Instagram. You can direct message me there. But the old Hotmail, it's been around for so long. You know when so many people use it and my bills go through it and I'm like, it'd be just be a headache to get rid of it. Um, that's where I'm at. Your name isn't horrible either. Like... <laughs> I don't know if that or how that just affected anything. I'm going to bring you back. I get a phone call and then my screen goes off. I'm going to put my phone on uh, whatever. Did I lose you for a second or no? No, I, I heard the phone ring. I, uh... The whole screen like shifted and went to like nothing. I was like, oh, great. Nope, nope. Uh, I heard it Heard it ring. Yeah, very good. Yeah, no. With, uh, with the Hotmail accounts, especially people our age, like when we got them, I remember I was a Colgate when I got them. Yeah, so Big I Brock. Have, I used to have Big Brock at Hotmail.com. Um, but like some people have like just ridiculous names like, you know, Jetstorm69 something. And you're just like, well, you are you got it when you were 16 years old and you can't keep using that. At least yours is semi-relevant uh, still and not obscene as a lot of emails seem to be. But uh, Oh, no, I remember uh, getting resumes when I when at well don't hire much anymore but back in the day when we would have uh, a few more to hire at the gym I'd get some resumes and uh <laughs> like uh pro tip gang I mean peps place at hotmail.com wouldn't even be something I would put on my resume I'd probably use my gmail or something a bit more professional but uh just maybe xnay on the the hot bunny 69 or stuff like that it's just not going to fly well with certainly if you're applying for the feds or you know the hospital or or a big reputable company that's uh, public service you I don't know. It's pretty easy to make an email now. I'm sure my mom could probably even figure it out. So, yeah, I think we get into a point where all the names are taken, right? So your next time you'd be uh, Pierre Cariotti six nine or something. Anyway. Dude, I'd rather have I'd rather have Pierre Cariotti one zero one zero four four six than uh, you know PK Buns sixty eight sixty nine or whatever. <laughs> like it's just come on, use some common sense, folks. But anyway, all right, the new nickname PK Buns. Um, Brock. Yes, Brock. Let's start the show with uh, with what you love most, college football. It was a big weekend. There is a huge weekend, and I didn't yeah. sound the board ready. But here it is. I'm going to have like an intro. i got to have an intro. I'm going to make this college football intro for the videos. When we start doing live, I'll just have to click on that. Yeah. Uh, where's my phone? There's a couple of pretty big games coming up this weekend. Two in particular, that is number one versus number four. That's Clemson at Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame, again, the luck of the Irish, some might say. And these guys uh, are, again, lucky because Trevor Lawrence is out this weekend, again, due to COVID um, testing. He didn't get cleared. So when you lose a guy like Trevor Lawrence – that's a huge thing. I think the spread, I got to check what the spread is, but the spread has been changed. And I think it's only down to like five and a half maybe for, but it's still in Clemson's favor. Um, I'm <clears throat> torn. I hate Notre Dame. So for me, I want Clemson to win for sure. But that being said, um, you know, as an SEC homer, I'm kind of hoping that they kind of do a one and one where, you know, maybe Notre Dame beats Clemson now. Clemson comes back and destroys Notre Dame with Trevor Lawrence so that uh, Clemson has the loss, which kind of puts them back into reality. Notre Dame gets destroyed with Trevor Lawrence, which also shows that the voters 
that Notre Dame against the full Clemson squad is nowhere near where they should be. Um, and then Notre Dame's kind of out of that playoff talk. So that's for me. I know we have a lot of Notre Dame fans, whatever. I also know a lot of Notre Dame fans that are – it's like arguing Ford versus Dodge with some of these people or whatever. <laughs> and Notre Dame just seems to be the, – they're too good. They're, they, they're, they're too good to be in a conference. Uh, they make too much money. They they don't need to be that. They should get more respect. They play. They always think that they play a tougher schedule than people um, uh, give them credit for. And anyway, yada yada. They're a, a historic program, but from a strictly Brock as a fan standpoint, I'm not a big Notre Dame guy. <laughs> anyway, that game is this weekend. The other big game is the world's largest tailgate party, uh, which is no longer allowed to be branded as such because that was promoting drinking. Um, but Florida-Georgia game is this weekend. Georgia is a legit playoff contender, national championship contender, I, I would say. They're probably the strongest team to compete against Alabama, who has looked ridiculous. Um, so... Florida's got their work cut out for them for sure. I mean, just from strictly from an offensive standpoint, uh, Florida's offense has been pretty good. There's a lot of matchup uh, advantages for Florida, but Georgia arguably has one of the best defenses in the country at this point. Uh, so from I just want to see a Florida's offense go against Georgia's defense. I know Florida's defense has played better last week, but overall they've had a lot of issues. So I don't know. You know, Georgia's offense is, is decent. They have a very good run game. I expect to see a lot of that. Um, but if uh, I just want to see Florida's offense play against Georgia's defense and see how they kind of rank up, and then hopefully Florida can build off of that from a defensive standpoint moving forward. Anyway, that game's a 3.30. I think the Clemson game, I didn't check the times. I apologize. Uh, it's at 7.30. So it's a primetime game, and it's actually Clemson minus six right now. Um I can't even pronounce the backup quarterback's name. The, the freshman, Uga Ugalele or Uga. Anyway, uh, first half last week against Boston College, you know, they obviously they were down like 21 points or something, and he had to kind of work his way back. But second half, he started to make the good read, started to relax a little bit. So I still think Clemson probably takes this game, all things considered, because I think Clemson's defense is pretty hot too. Uh, but it should be interesting. I'm going to watch it 7.30 Saturday night. Um, the other thing is the Pac-12 is back on this week. So now we're going to get to see the USC's, the Oregon's. Uh, they're a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of uh, how many games they're going to have to play this year. And there's already talk and debate on to should they expand the playoffs this year because of the, the certain uh, situation and certain teams are going to have more games under their belt and more ways of showing uh, what they can do also more risk of, of a loss when you play more games than teams like in the pac 12. So anyway, so the debate over the next little while is going to be pretty interesting to see where the, uh, the, uh, the board goes in terms. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? What? Why wouldn't they try this? Yeah. What the, the, for this year, you know, I know it's a huge debate in college football. Obviously it's a huge debate. We we've talked about it in the past, but why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they just do it this particular year? And like, you got teams that are staggered starts, you know, you're it's it's I would say it's a little unfair. You know, you've got these teams who now have to play a condensed schedule, make try to make up games. Are they going to have to make up the games they lost? Uh, no, there's a lot of them that won't. I mean, it's just it is what it is from a scheduling standpoint from, um, you know, uh, most of the conferences already 
went away with non-conference games. So all those games, like the records of the SEC, you say, oh, LSU is the first team, the first national championship team to lose their opening game the following season. Yeah, but normally LSU or whoever wins the national championship has a couple of non-conference games that are started early, which generally are weaker opponents as they kind of like work into getting into the groove. So those games are a lot easier to win. This year, LSU went right into conference play yeah. um, you know, and lost. Now LSU isn't the the caliber they were last year, but that's just from a, a statistical standpoint. You're trying to say, well, this is the first time it's happened. Yeah, this year is wonky. So yeah, throw those kind of things out. I agree with you. Expanding the playoffs is the only thing that makes sense. The only issue, and that I would be concerned about, and I'm sure some of the you know traditionalists would be concerned about too, is that once you open the door to that, it's a lot easier to, to now have people. <clears throat> Push to say, you know what, we are going to have an expanded playoff moving forward. So we're going to do eight teams this year instead of four. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. People are going to love it and whatever. And then they say, well, why don't we just keep eight games? And then all of a sudden you're eight and then maybe, you know, now that the ball's rolling. So once you got to the four, it was still, you know, that, that door is open a bit. The eight is like, okay, now we're just getting steamrolled. Now all of a sudden we're getting into, uh, um, you know, something you can't do. You can't mimic the NFL in terms of their playoff uh, stuff. Even the NFL is going to expand their playoffs. So I think college football will, but anyway, it's uh, I think from that standpoint, it's just a bit of a concern for people to say what's next. If we do it this year, what's what happens next? If you ask me the, when it comes to college football and the history behind college football, uh, the, the closest comparison, I think when it comes to sports and playoffs and, you know, you talk about traditionalists, I think is baseball. And baseball did it successfully for the most part. I think baseball modified their playoffs a little bit this year by adding an extra team and then making that first round wild card a best of three instead of a single game elimination. Uh, I'm not suggesting the college football start making best of threes, but if my point is if baseball can do it sort of semi successfully and they haven't ruffled too many traditionalist feathers, I think college football could probably make that jump. I mean, baseball, I mean, it's almost like religion when it came to the playoffs and the pennant and, you know, one team makes it and everyone else falls off and it, we're just not there. Sports has evolved so far when it comes to connectivity and uh, involvement, watching sports on multiple platforms. If your team is out, there's so much money that that's, that's there to be made. If your team is still competing anyway, college football is a very different beast. You, as you well know, but I think they, I think they could do it. They could try it, and if if they it's, could do it, if it they works try. well, then you then you have to consider it. I mean, there's money at stake. But that's yeah, it is. But then, you know, it also the more you open it up, and at baseball, there's just so many games that a team is out fairly early, which I guess could be argued the same thing from a college football standpoint. If you lose two games, your first two games, you're generally going to be out of that hunt. But if you lose the first two games, you're not really in it to begin with. Um, but from a baseball standpoint, like I did enjoy it and they did it from a, you know, this is a wonky year. I would like to see them keep it. You know what I mean? But also I wasn't a baseball traditionalist to begin with there. I wasn't arguing the, how important it now, if they had kept, if it was 60 games and they kept the playoff format the same way, then I think that actually and lends more to the college football model where it's every game matters. Yeah. Uh, generally with 60 games, like you can't be out too, too soon. You're still kind of in the hunt if you go hot later on, but 
Um, then you just have the the same playoff format as you as you always had. You just have smaller games, so the the regular season does um, have a bit more weight or a lot more weight, really. Yeah. Um, but when you're at a one sixty two or whatever it is, and uh, you know you could be way behind early and be out of it. So that, that's my issue with the baseball one. But anyway, regardless, I think college football has to do it uh, in order to salvage the season in any sort of way. Um, and, you know, again, it is going to be interesting. I, I don't hope that they necessarily keep it, although I've, I've at this point am a, uh, in favor of a, a 16 playoff, a 6-6 six, six team, not a 16, a 16 <laughs> playoff, make that clear, where, you know, the champion of each conference gets in and yeah. maybe wild card or something like that, and then you have a couple of buys for the first week, whatever. Um, anyway. Um, that being said, you know, from a Pac-12 standpoint, uh, this is the first time you're going to get a chance to see USC and Oregon and all those teams and the games. I mean, USC is playing Arizona State, which is um, always a dangerous game. Arizona State, you know, Kevin Wise there, so I follow them fairly closely, and they're a team that's like an Iowa State that can really sneak up on people. But the other game is Oregon Stanford. That's a 7:30 on Saturday. Oregon's ranked 12th right now. Now they haven't played a game yet. And actually, there's uh, they've got six starters, and arguably the best left tackle in college football is one of them um, who opted out this season and said they're not going to play. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they go and how they do, but um, that'll bring them back down to earth pretty quick. Um, so, anyway, those are the games this weekend. Other than that, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got for college football. Fantastic. I Again, it's uh, one of those things that uh... – you love and college football. I wish had a little bit more exposure in Canada when it comes to promotion. I don't think it's promoted very well here. You know, you, we see the commercials on uh, CBC. Oh, I don't see a lot of TSN promotion when, unless it's a really like a marquee game. You don't see a lot on TSN or Sportsnet when it comes to yeah. college football. And that's cool. That's fine. Like, I get it. But this time of year, they might want to capitalize. I mean, there's nothing going on, there's zero on TV. There's, NFL three or four nights a week, and that's it. I watched, so I always have Sports Center on in the morning. One v one, you see the one v ones, like the you know yeah. the best versus the best play, and who votes on it? Yeah. Oh my God, why even bother? The one v one was a soccer guy that uh, kicked it. I don't know, <laughs> just outside the crease, top corner. Whoopity do, and the the one the champion that's still winning, which baffles me is Teddy Bridgewater. So I remember they said Teddy Bridgewater. I said, oh, okay, I'm watching Teddy Bridgewater and let's see what happens. It's an effing flea flicker. He hands the ball off. The guy throws it back to him. He throws a normal pass that any quarterback in the NFL or college football can make where it was just basically a corner route and puts the ball on a touchdown. I'm like, how's that even a high highlight? How are we even debating this right now? I was so mad. <laughs> Jack's like, what's the matter? I'm like, did you see that? They call that a highlight. Like, what is this? I guess the log I guess the logistically, he that's the, still the champ, and the play of the day or the night or whatever has to beat that play. I mean, it's just the luck of the luck of the time of the year. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I saw that play. Yeah, no, no, terrible, terrible. Uh, the quick, <clears throat> let's let's talk about the Jays for a couple of minutes. I thought because you were going politics for a second. I was like, ah, we maybe let's uh, ixnay that for now because that'll be a whole other debate. But, you know, uh, it's, yeah, what no, we're doing right now, the whole world is on their toes waiting to see what uh, uh, what the results of this election happens to be. I think at this time, Biden's up 238 to 212, which means absolutely nothing. Look, um, I, until it's all done. 
I was I'm not a mathematician. I I'm not strong with numbers, but you got two names on a ballot and people check one off. How how hard can this be to count? Like let's go. Let's go. Like this is something tells me this is all for the drama. Like this is just it shouldn't take this long. I know there's there's like uh mail in you know, Eight times mail-in voters, but they should have the mail-in votes were in like weeks ago. Like, let's go count. They should have been counted by now. I think as long as they're post dated before the like before yesterday, I think they count. What a hot mess! This is just ridiculous. Like, uh, what what election takes four days to to figure out? Like, let's go, guys. I mean, uh, anyway, we won't we won't get into that. Uh, Blue Jays, um, rumor mill starting. Obviously, there's some. Couple of uh, rumors that make sense, and then there's a couple of rumors that are, you know, I mean, we're, we're you're dealing with the core group here. If you pull the trigger on something big, so the one that I'll address right away, DJ Lemayhu, by all uh, accounts, all the all the prognosticators uh, think that it's going to be him that the Jays pick up to to solve their first base needs. Uh, Lemayhu in t- Toronto makes sense for them. Veteran guy, good hitter, a power. I mean, I think he was. I think he was an all star this year. He, he had crazy numbers in the shortened year. They can't afford to spend uh, like a ton. They need. They need two positions. They got. They need somebody in the outfield. They need third base, and they need somebody at first. I think those are the pressing needs. I th- I like their pitching. You know, people are arguing well they need to get more pitching. Their pitching was pretty good this year. I think they killed their pen early, but their pitching was pretty good. So other than Lemayhu. George Springer is another name that's come up, center fielder for the uh, for the Houston Astros. But a name that just came up in a in a wild, outlandish trade rumor is Nolan Arenado, Gold Glover. He won the Gold Glove again in Colorado. Slugger hits for a high average, has speed. He's that th- like five tool guy, but the cost is going to be hefty. Like we're talking, you know, one one of either Groshans, Jordan Groshans in the minors. Austin uh, Martin and uh, Guriel, two of those three guys, plus a pitcher, a young pitcher, you know, to pick up Arenado. Not only that, Arenado gets paid a ton of money. So, do the Jays pull the trigger on on something huge like that? Arenado signed for for a couple more years, so that you don't you're not going to lose him next year. He makes a ton of money though, but you're not messing with the core group. You still got Biggio. Bichette and Vladdy. If you can, they afford to to deal Martin and Groshans and Guriel to pick up a guy like Arenado. Well, I mean they can. Uh, I probably wouldn't do it myself, but also from a management standpoint, uh, with uh, now we're on the wrong side. I got to figure out. There we go. I was trying to figure out how you could be the spotlight when I'm doing. It. Anyway. Um, Jay's management, that's not their style. You know what I mean? Like the new, the new front office guys, that's just not how they work. Um, so I don't see that kind of move happening. I don't even think they probably entertain it, um, on too serious of a level. At least my feeling is that they, they won't do that so early. That would be, they would make moves of that caliber, uh, when they're really trying to make that last push. So say like if the Jays come off fairly hot and they're, you know, rolling to the point, they address a couple of issues like, you know what, this might help us this year and really sort of propel us forward. I think that's when uh, they'll start to entertain deals of that nature. 
That's an interesting take. I like for me, I'm uh, I'm kind of leaning the other way. I, I think you know this is Guriel's going into his fourth year. I'm I'm just not I'm not sold on on the kid entirely quite yet. I think he's I think he's a very very good player. But you know you got to give to get, and if you can have an opportunity to get Arenado, who's he, like arguably the one of the top five players in the entire league, and all you're giving up is your left fielder who hits 280 and you know strikes out a lot, and a prospect that you don't even know is going to pan out. That's a pretty that's tantalizing. You know you're taking on big money, but you're not giving up any of your core. Like I, it's just that's a tough one, you know. And if you can keep Nate Pearson and all the all the arms that they got coming up, oof. But that's one rumor. That's just one rumor, right? That's there's plenty of uh, plenty of rumors going on because Rogers Communication is one of the only companies, one of the only ownership groups that hasn't lost money through COVID. In fact, they probably made more money during this whole uh, pandemic. So the the rumor is, well, MLB lost a ton of money this year. That's that's for sure. But there are only like 10 ownership groups that actually made money or broke even this year during the pandemic. So now's the time. Baseball? Pardon me? Like directly related to baseball? Uh, yes. Rogers making money because we're all sitting on our ass at home watching TV 24 Yes. Yes. You're, up, you're upgrading your Netflix or whatever. Like, uh, right. you know, that's they've made money, lots of money. But there aren't many ownership groups that are in, in whatever, in communication that have right. made money this year. They've lost money, in fact. So, like, the going's hot. That this is the one year that the Jays actually have a leg up on some of the bigger markets when it comes to spending money. I I, I say, you know, I say take advantage of it. It's not going to happen. This might happen once in a in a decade, once in two decades when it comes to the Jays being able to overspend and uh, outbid some of the big markets like Boston and and New York. So, you know, I say go for it. I mean, they were thirty two and twenty eight. It wasn't like they were. Uh, like 20 games over 500 here. They were like a 500 ball club and starting to dwindle there towards the end. So, you know, had we seen a hundred game season, I don't know if the Jays even make the playoffs. So I think this was a little bit of a, you know, smoke and mirror show this year. Cause it was so, like you said, every game mattered, but like, I don't know. I, I say, I say DJ LeMay, who's a bit of a no brainer, like a uh, guy can hit guy can play defense guy can hit for power. He, good player, really good player. But, if you can get a stud like Arenado, geez, it solves your third base. You don't have to move. You don't have to relocate Biggio or Bichette. You know, you can keep them where they want. I don't, I'm not a fan of like putting Biggio all over the field. Like, let him stay this one place and master his craft. Um, the, the kid has done get outstanding. Everybody, get a, an infield that is in sync with each other. You have four guys that are on the same page. It's kind of like an offensive line. If you keep plugging people in different ones, you never get that that uh, chemistry and and yeah. That, uh, that f- that flow that you need to have, and an infield is the same way. You guys need to be all on the same page, understand where everybody's going. Yeah, that comes from repetition, consistency, and 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 familiarity as absolutely those together. So, yeah, he'd be a no brainer for me. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, we'll see what happens. It's early, right? And we'll, we'll uh, there's a, even Strowman's name's been bandied about. I, I can't see him making a. Uh, reconnecting with the Blue Jays, especially if Gritchick is still around. But uh, I mean, give me Strowman over Gritchick any day. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about the NFL trade deadline that came and passed. Uh, re- relatively quiet. I very was- quiet, which is why we were able to talk about all this other stuff. Because I'm like, again, we're, we're I titled this NFL trade deadline, and we haven't talked about it. Well, yet. we've got uh, realistically, I've we've got about eight or ten minutes here, so we'll let's let's all talk right. let's talk about what actually happened. 
you know, I think Stefan Gilmore was the big name, the big fish on the market, uh, but there were, the asking price was too high. You know, Bilicek said something the other day that I, I found really interesting, and I'm not sure I buy it. I think he's just trying to make an excuse for himself. He said, we sold out in terms of draft picks, in terms of giving up uh, players for uh, giving up picks for players to win three Super Bowls. Now we're paying the price. I'm paraphrasing. It wasn't the, that wasn't a word for word quote, but that's what he said. Um, interesting. I don't know if I if I buy it. I mean, is it because they've been drafting so low over the over the last twenty years? Is that maybe that not that that is more reasonable? But he's made some pretty shrewd. Uh, trades in order to get draft picks. He traded Jamie Collins to the Browns for their first rounder or second rounder. I mean, he's made some he's made some shrewd moves. I'm not sure if I'm buying the whole, you know, we gave up our we mortgaged our future to win now. I don't know about that. But uh, they give up they they would traditionally give up picks to get like you know the the players that uh, their their problems somewhere else other than Antonio Brown they've all sort of paid off. But those are generally like hey we'll throw you a pick or two here. And throw us this headache that you guys have that clearly you're going to get rid of at some point, and we're going to work our magic with them. So I feel yeah. like they've done a lot of that kind of stuff, and it just you know again those are things that you don't necessarily register when you're a fan. You're just like okay, that's a pick, and who they get, they got this person. But after a while, you're like, well, that adds up in terms of you know uh, a depleted uh, draft pick uh, pool. But uh, whatever, I don't care if he says that. If that's the case. There isn't a team or a fan out there that would not do the exact same and say, you know what, we won sure. three Super Bowls and I'm going to have to live through 10 years of rebuild. Give me three Super Bowls. I also think he can't count. He won six. Uh, so I'm not sure what he's talking about. I mean, maybe he's yeah, talking about the for, the, for those, I guess, the other three. He's, I mean, he's been, he won three in the last, what, six years? He's been to every Super Bowl, it seems. They've, they've lost a few. So it's pretty remarkable stuff. But, you know, you were, you were saying, yeah, they take on headaches sometimes. Well, you know what? They also, they also have dealt headaches. Like they've dealt guys that are maybe like a, a year or two past their prime and they've just sort of thrown them away for, for picks. So I think it all balanced out. But yeah, you make a good point. Um, Stefan Gilmore was the big fish that they were, that they were, uh, you know, wiggling around for teams and nobody bit. Because they wanted a first round pick, so uh, yeah, I, I I haven't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I th I just think that was a lot to ask for Stefan Gilmore. You could have gotten maybe a second or a third. I don't know. Get a little Whatever. selfish. You put you put it out there. If a team needs it and jumps at it, that's fine. If not, then you, hey, you hang on to. That's the way it is. Yeah. You're, if you're not upset about hanging on, you don't need to dump a salary. Say okay, we'll hang on to him unless we get him this. And people know what it is, and at some point they'll come back to you or not. I, I guess the uh, – I mean, I'm looking just briefly scanned. There wasn't that many really uh, notable moves. The I, best I, deal that was made – Was Steelers. That was the – Steelers got the best, but I think the best trade for both teams was the Seattle-Cincy trade, uh, sending uh, uh, Carlos Dunlap to Seattle, which now adds – basically bookend and edge rushers between Dunlap and Clowney that can compete with just about any other duo in the league, I think, uh, when playing motivated. And, uh, you know, Clowney's been, been Clowney's okay. Out. Clowney's with uh, Tennessee. Oh, sh no. 
Yeah. yeah, he's with Tennessee, and he's actually has zero sacks or something stupid like that with Vic Beasley, who they just who's cut. The, who's the end in Seattle they just got then? Other than Dunlap, uh, I, you're on. Uh, I'm on the wrong guy then. I'd but, have to look. Yeah. Well, I had Seattle, to fact check you yeah. there before you. You seemed like you were getting into the clowny, clowny love, and I'm like, I better, I better get on him. Good. I appreciate that. No problem. That's um, also going to create an, an editing nightmare, but whatever. I'm living. <laughs> with it. Carlos Dunlap adding to Seattle's defensive line is a huge upgrade from what they had. From what I watched against Arizona, they needed somebody else on that side to provide some pressure. Who had who brings Carlos Dunlap is a freak athlete, um, and when motivated, you know he's right up there in terms of pass rushers. So for sure. Seattle to get him, but on the flip side. Cincinnati's O-line is not great, and they got a, a huge investment in Burroughs, who's proving to be all that that they expected and hopefully more, uh, but they ended up getting the O-line that B.J. Finney back, who isn't horrible, and they got a seventh-round pick as well. So they beef up their O-line a little bit, some a, a bit more uh, depth there to protect their investment and got yeah. a seventh-round pick. So between the two, uh, for what each team got, I think that was pretty even. Like that's that was a, a pretty decent trade. You know, obviously hey. it was better for Seattle if they had Clowney and it was on the other side. But <laughs> apparently, I'm completely wrong. So I got to figure out who I was watching on the weekend. I Let me was- comment on BJ Finney. He, he, he got it's. I mean, seventh round pick, seventh round pick. I mean, it's you know, it's uh, yeah. it's it's uh, it's Seattle's seventh round pick. It could be the last pick of the of the draft for crying out loud. Um, that being said, BJ Finney really gave the Steelers a real real uh, headache last year. He not in a good way. Like they had to make some decisions because he was he was that productive uh, as to what who they were going to do, and they you know they ended up letting him go, and he signed with Seattle. Um, but you know that. You know they drafted Kevin Dotson to replace him at guard as a backup guard, but BJ Finney is good. Really, he could start for any team, and uh, that's a that's an upgrade. Like you said, you've invested in Burrow. I think that's a great pickup for uh, for um, the Bengals. That's a one for one. Dunlap was a headache in the locker room. I guess he got into it with Boyd. He's been tweeting some stuff, so this solves that issue. It's a it's a good trade for both teams. Very good trade. A uh, couple of late deals. I mean, again, I don't want we Avery Williamson. That was kind of the first deal, so there's really not not a lot to talk about. Steelers pick up a seventh and Avery Williamson in exchange for their fifth. Um, just a great trade for Pittsburgh because they just needed some depth. Spillane has been a more than adequate replacement for Mister Bush, who uh, is out for the season with an ACL. But Avery Williamson was on Pittsburgh Pittsburgh's radar all year as a depth guy. Um, and so it's going to fit I don't whether he, whether he starts over Spillane or whether he comes on in those sort of those, uh, those dime packages where you need a bit, a bit better coverage in the secondary. I, I don't know what they're going to plan for him, but uh good pickup. Desmond you King on uh, Spillane. That's your boy. Spillane you know, was uh, undrafted for the Steelers. His grandfather played for the Steelers. Yeah. His no. grandfather was named uh, Johnny Latner. Played for a year for the Steelers was like a uh, I forget what round he went, but he played for a year. Apparently, he was a stud linebacker. Nineteen fifty four, and he wore number forty one. Nineteen fifty four. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not that. Like I'm saying, that's, that's your boy. Yeah. I figured he'd do. <laughs> it's not my boy. He's just he's a good adequate backup. He's he's played. Listen, he's played well in two weeks. He had a one on one stick on Derrick Henry, and he had a pick six on Lamar Lamar Jackson. Not a bad way to start your starting career. 
but I, I think you know overall, you know he's he's not the answer. But I, I, maybe he is. I don't know. He's playing well. He's played really well. He's all over the field. He's making plays. Uh, well, he's, he comes from a pedigree of Steelers who are number forty-one. <laughs> yeah, I guess, so. I guess so. Trying to make up for my county debacle. An interesting trade. I uh, the Saints picking up Quan Alexander. I, the, it's not so much the trade itself, but you're dealing to a, a divisional rival. Yeah, I don't, I don't well, get it. That's the same with uh, the Dolphins sending Ford over to the Patriots, right? Yes, I saw that earlier. But I mean, that's you know, you're dealing, you're swapping linebackers in a fifth. So I, uh, you know, Quan Alexander's a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, now that War- I think Warner just got hurt, their other inside linebacker. So I mean, that's kind of bad timing. Kiko Alonso. Did Warner get hurt? He's like, I don't know. I got defensive players in this fantasy league I have, and I he's like the only guy that I could usually count on. Anyway. He's all over the field, but uh, I think he was he got hurt. I don't know if, if he was he didn't come back in the game, but I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think he's uh, long. I don't think it's anything long term. So, but again, there was really nothing nothing worth discussing. Desmond King to the Titans from the Chargers. He's a DB for their six. Char- Titans are horrific in the secondary. Again, though, Titans it, it hurts their secondary because they have no pass rush. Clowney has zero sacks. Vic Beasley has zero tackles for for loss. You know that's you know those are your two outside guys who you've invested in. So they cut Beasley. He's he's you know, out. You know what Clowney needs? He needs Dunlap on the other side. It's just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eli Anku. Yeah, Ottawa Cowboys, boy. Cowboys picking him up from the Texans. So uh, you know uh, that was a uh, I think an under three, uh, three Canadian defensive linemen play for the Cowboys. So you got Crawford out of Mississauga. You got Eli Anku, who's there now. And then they obviously, they drafted uh, Neville Gallimore from Ottawa as well. So two Ottawa boys on the Dallas Cowboys defensive line. Makes them mo- moderately more likable. Just a, just a tad. Well, yeah, very moderately. But right. we should also see them on TV a lot because Dallas's offense is not going to do anything. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Okay, go. No, no, you go. Go. Well, no. Now I want to hear. Let me tell you this. Uh, no, I mean let let me tell you this. That's a that's a lot of talent on the Dallas uh, offensive side of the ball, and they're they're squandering it. So these kids who are coming up and playing D line for the Cowboys now's their chance to make a make an impression because they need they need some defense. They play no defense. I mean it's, and they also need a quarterback. But that's a whole other. That's a whole other story. Uh, the one deal that I thought. I was just waiting for something. So I'm curious. I don't know the details as to what uh, Houston was asking for in terms of a Fuller or even a Brandon Cooks, what they're looking for in return. But Green Bay was not able to make a deal with them. And I thought Green Bay has to get one of those two guys because their receiving core is fairly depleted. Uh, Other than Devontae Adams, Rodgers has no main guy. You know, there's he Rodgers makes good receivers out of anybody who plays with him. But if you can get him somebody who is already good, uh, you know, that just frees up more Adams and stuff as well. And their run game, they're, they have a couple banged up uh, runners and stuff as well. So they want to spread that field. But Green Bay, I was really hoping they were going to pull the trigger on one of them. But I guess they just couldn't make a deal. So I have no idea what Houston was asking, but uh, neither of those receivers go anywhere. I have to question. There's three. There's three or four organizations I, I really really question uh, what what their motivation is. Uh, Houston being one of them. I mean that David Johnson trade was it, it's probably the worst trade I've seen in the NFL in a long long time. Uh, in a league where it's passing and you 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 trade your 
number one receiver who's maybe a top 10 receiver in the NFL for a running back? It's it's baffling. That's a baffling trade. Uh, the Jets are another team that I mean they've they've been so bad for so long, yet they've they've made zero progress in terms of draft picks and uh, and uh, grooming and and uh, building guy. Like who's who's on their team that they they can be excited about for the next five years? Five years. Quinn and Williams. I don't know. Nobody. Uh, yeah, you can't even name one. Most NFL teams, we can name one guy that's like, oh, that that they might be, they might not be very good right now, but this kid's someone to watch. They got nobody on the Jets. Terrible. It used to be Adams, right? And then yeah, they traded him away. Yeah, for for nothing. The guy I don't even think the guy that they got back from Seattle is even playing. So, you know, I think of those teams as really, really poor decision makers when it comes to their personnel. The Giants come come to mind as well. Um, the Giants, hey. Thursday night? No, Monday night? What day is it today? Anyway, when we were watching the game at Curse's house, the Giants played pretty damn well. They played well. Like, yeah, there's some stupid throws by Jones for at inopportune times, but other than that, I thought that they played really well. They ran the ball really well. Their offensive line looked completely different than what I've seen for the... I haven't watched a lot of Giants games since the first couple, but um, they were moving the ball. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Yada, yada, I think that game alone would give me, if I was a Giant fan, a little bit of optimism to say, you know what, we can, you know, maybe get to figure out our identity and, you yeah. know, pound the ball a bit more and, and you know, just clean up a couple of things by Jones and we'll be all right. But anyway, um, yeah. the one, yeah. the, the last team, but my my point with the with the with the teams that are the personnel, the question, the questionable personnel, right. I don't think I don't question Green Bay's personnel decisions. I think what they did, certainly on the defensive end, bringing the Smith, the Smith boys, that really solidified their defense last year. And I think they've always been really, really good at finding good quality secondary guys for cheap. It's it's offensively. I mean, we have to for, we forget Green Bay is a small market, not a ton of money in Green Bay. I know it's a very proud franchise and history, and they sell out and Green Bay merch and all that stuff, but they're a small market. And they really—I don't know—I don't even think they can afford to really overspend and get a couple of diva wide receivers where they they're handcuffed for a couple of years because there's all their money's tied into like two or three offensive guys. So I think they they're they're a lot like the Steelers in that regard. They don't overspend on anybody at all ever unless it's a homegrown guy. So you know I don't you don't see too many free agent guys go to Green Bay because they're again they build from within they build from the draft but because they're so good every year <clears throat> they're drafting so low. So you have to they haven't done a good job of just finding at Rogers weapons. And the fact that they're always 10 and 6, 11 and 5, uh, you know, it's a it's a testament to Rogers, man. Whether you love him or hate him. I mean, good lord, he's done the most with the least. And it's I don't even think it's close. No, I I don't I don't think it's close either. His old line has been pretty solid or yeah. stable, I guess is the word I'm looking for for yeah. a long time. And because of that, he's been able to like I said he will put a ball on you and you know, you have, there's no other choice but to catch it for a lot of times. And these receivers are as long as he gets them in order sort of thing, but he just makes something out of nothing. Um, Why is the NFL? Um, sorry, I cut you off. Why is the NFL trade deadline? Uh, not as exciting. You don't see any, as many splash moves in the NFL as you see in the NBA the majors and in hockey. I mean, hockey, they have a whole day dedicated to it. Money. 
impact too many guys on a team you're not going to change your team overnight with one player i like well i think that's i mean from a blockbuster standpoint like unless you're trading a, an aaron Rodgers or a tom brady or something like that um the yeah the impact is not as great there they, you again football is the ultimate team sport you can't you know just get one guy and change your your whole dynamic your whole outlook of the season um and there's a lot more things to consider in terms of that, uh, you know, that piece, how that piece fits in, as opposed to just getting that that star. Um, so I don't know if that's if that's what it is. It's, it never has that same impact as it would be a basketball or hockey, where it's one player can actually, when on the ice or on the court, can make a huge difference. Um, I don't know. That's you a, know what. Uh, our next episode, we're gonna we're gonna wind down here. We're reaching about fifty minutes, and I'm I'm gonna be super late for where I'm going. No big deal. Uh, we should have top ten uh, impactful trades. Let's do that for next show. Your top ten, my top ten. Maybe we can invite somebody. We invite like Matt Putvey or somebody like that who's uh, who might have his own top 